0: Good morning. If you'll open uh, your scripture with me and turn to Luke chapter 1, verse 26 to 38. Luke chapter 1, verse 26 to 38. There. In, in Luke 1, it's, it's been 400 years since a prophet prophesied, and no miracles. And suddenly, this angel by the name of Gabriel uh, appears to a priest whose name is Zechariah while he's working in the temple. He's his lot had been drawn, and so he came in to work. And, mm. and he says to him, his old barren wife is going to have a child. That's, that's Elizabeth. And this child would be great, John the Baptist. He would be a Nazarite, which, which means he's set apart to serve God. He, you know, If you think about John the Baptist, he, he would have had wildly long hair um, because he couldn't cut his hair. He's a Nazarite never drinking any alcohol filled with the spirit. God's sudden work, it it didn't didn't just stop there. Six months into Elizabeth's pregnancy, this same angel then appeared, Gabriel, that is, appears again, not to a priest in a temple this time, but in very insignificant in the culture's eyes, young girl, living literally in a nowhere town think about a town like black engaged i'm just saying that because that's where caleb our assistant pastor is from engaged to a simple man who's a carpenter and in that situation the greatest act in the history of the world happened and so if you would Look in your Bibles, and we'll we'll start reading around verse twenty-six and just go down a few verses. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at There will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I am a virgin? We'll stop there. Let's pray for our time. Father, I just, I worship you that um, you, you are so intentional to show that ordinary people can be used when they're filled with the spirit for for extraordinary acts of glorifying you and building your kingdom from the very beginning, Lord, all the way from Abraham and from Moses and from his simple staff and then to David and the, the, the whole scripture, Lord, and we just prayed you and I pray right now that you would encourage our souls, encourage our hearts that we're ordinary people, and that you can use us in amazing ways. Teach us now, in the Holy Spirit's power, in Jesus' name, Amen. I want to ask you a question: Do, do you ever feel that I am I'm really just too ordinary for God to do much with? You see, often we we want to be used by God, but we measure our usefulness by our gifts, our abilities, maybe your age, your intellect, your education. And so what prevents God from using us is not our ordinariness, but is seeking to do God's work in our ability rather than the grace of the Holy Spirit. If you went to the National Residence of the Invalid in Paris, which is a complex of buildings celebrating French military history, you you would see a statue there of Napoleon. And he is standing there with his left hand in his pocket, and he's leaning out. It's a very famous statue. And you get the feeling when you're looking at that statue that he he is literally saying, I did this. Which means, I took control of most of Europe. I established religious freedoms. I established property rights. I established a secular education for the poor. Now, often, this is the stance of the Christian that we take towards doing the things of God. So, though we might say, yes, Rusty, it's by God's grace, in practice... We assess our own and others by how outwardly gifted they might be and say, yes, they can be used, or no, they can't. Let me just explain. If I were to ask you to get up and do a testimony up here with me in two weeks about God's grace in your life or maybe what he's done in your life or in your children's life or something like that, many of you, Would first think about your own abilities, your own gifts, your own talents, your own experiences. And you say, No way. (laughs) I I can't do that. Go find someone else. And by doing that, you're really saying two things. First, I'm too ordinary for God to use, I'm no leader, I'm no great communicator, I'm not extraordinary. I don't have a bunch of degrees behind my name. I I can't be used. And secondly, you're saying ministry is about abilities rather than the power of the Spirit. You see, in Luke 1, we see God doing what He always does, and that is using the ordinary to show His glory. God chooses to show favor to a nobody girl from... a nobody town and caged to a simple carpenter and through her the savior of the world would come so here's our main idea today that God loves to show extraordinary glory through ordinary people or you might want to say it like Francis Schaeffer said it that there are no little people in God's kingdom there are no little people let's jump in our story verse 26 to 28 notice the angel Gabriel appears a second time after visiting Zechariah, but this time it's not in a temple, it's not to a priest. It's in a situation much more ordinary. Verse 26, a city of Galilee named Nazareth. Stop there. The reason Luke says Nazareth in Galilee is because nobody knew where that was if you were not a Jew or if you were not from that region. It's never mentioned in the Old Testament. Nazareth is not a city that's known at all from anybody. And so there's no one famous from there. It was high up in the mountains. Three days travel outside of Jerusalem to get there. It, it was the quintessential sleepy town. The greatest excitement that happened there was periodically the priests would meet there and spend a night and they would go in to do their work three days from there to Jerusalem that was it that was the big event of the year and in that ordinary town lived an ordinary girl verse 27 look in your bibles a virgin betrothed betrothed to a man by the name of Joseph so the angel appears to a girl named Mary and it's interesting all he says about her is Mary he doesn't say anything about her godliness about her spiritual life, just Mary. Earlier, when he appeared to Zechariah and Elizabeth, listen to what he says there. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commands and statutes of the law. That's her cousin, Elizabeth. And then we get here, it's just Mary, (laughs) simple Mary. And he tells us she's a virgin betrothed. Now, usually in movies, Mary, you see she's in her 20s. But according to Roman law, at that age, you had to be 14 as a man to be betrothed and 12 uh, for a girl to be betrothed. And so she would have been quite young. And she was betrothed to a simple carpenter, Joseph. Usually that would last about a year. they would being caged. And during that year, he's trying to build their simple house. And so this angel, Gabriel, comes to an absolute nowhere town to an ordinary young girl. But there's more to the story. They were, they were poor. Where is, where is that coming from? Chapter 2, verse 24. Look there in your Bibles with me. They went to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord. A pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Stop there. You see, in Leviticus 12... It says after you've had a child you should come to the tabernacle and make a thanks offering to the Lord a lamb and a pigeon but if you're poor and you can't afford that then you can just give a few birds and that is what we see Mary and Joseph offering because that's all they could afford they were poor he was probably a simple simple carpenter making a very meager wage. And so one would think that the savior of the world would be born in a town that was at least named in the Old Testament, right? It may be to a prominent family, or at least one with a little bit of money, to a well-equipped mother, but instead it's to a young virgin engaged to a carpenter who was poor, far away from all the religious action of Jerusalem, far away from the political hub of Rome. Through ordinary people, God shows His extraordinary glory. Here's what I want you to understand. There there are no little people in God's kingdom. Now let me read this to you. Maybe you recognize it. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with you. You probably know that, you've probably heard it, and maybe you're thinking, Rusty, what about that? Hail Mary, full of grace, pray for me, people say. And you're telling me it was God who showed her grace, but what I have heard repeatedly is that she was full of grace, so full that she could pray for me. I want to explain that. This is where the Catholic Church differs very differently from the Protestant Evangelical Church, is that their belief in Mary is that she is full of grace and she's sinless. Now, here's how that came about. There was an early church father named Jerome, and he translated the Bible in the Latin. It's called the Vulgate. But he mistranslated one section, and it happened to be here. And so it's not saying Mary has grace to dispense or to give, but that God is coming to her with grace is the story. She is not the source of grace. She is the recipient of grace. She is not the one who gives blessings. She is the one who receives amazing blessings from God. Do you see that? Jesus himself says, he, he bears this out quite well. Luke 11, verse 27, listen to this. A woman says, blessed is the womb that bore you, Jesus replied, rather blessed are they that hear the word of God and keep them. And again in Mark three thirty five, whoever shall do the will of God, the same as my brother, my sister, my mother. Jesus explains it well. Let's talk about being blessed from God, he says. Those who hear my word, who keep my word and obey it, they are the ones that are blessed. They are closer to me than my brother, my sister, my mother. So the story is not about the glory of Mary and her greatness. It's about the glory of God and the humility of Christ who chose to not come into the world in a grand fashion, in a grand palace to a great family but in the humblest of fashions, in the most ordinary families, and he did it for our sake. 2 Corinthians 8, 9. Though he was rich, for us he became poor. How do we think and live this? How do you take this from your head? Okay, Rusty, I understand what you're saying. Apply it to my life. Three things. Three things. After the angel proclaimed to Mary all that he was going to do, She responds like this. Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be done according to your word. Even though no one had been a virgin and ever conceived a child before, she simply trusts him. Even though she knew ridicule was coming, she simply trusted that God's word was true and nothing was impossible for us first. God uses ordinary people like you to show his extraordinary glory with. The Bible shows us again and again that God uses little people to do much with. And you might be thinking, okay, Rusty, I love Jesus, but but I'm such an ordinary Christian. I didn't come from a big connected family. I don't have big money I'm not well educated and plus I'm I'm so busy with work or my age. I'm just I'm just over the hill, not really usable anymore. So I go to church and that's great, but I don't expect God to use me much. With God, truly, there are no little or ordinary people. Because it is always the Spirit of God that enables and strengthens you to do what God puts in front of you. So what God requires is not greatness to be used, but exactly what he received from Mary. Simple trust and faithfulness, no matter what he sets before you, little or much. Now, why does God work like that? Well, let's come back to the story of Mary. If you had been at her house, if you were there when the angel appeared and told her this, you will conceive and bear a son and he will be called Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. You would not want to fall down and worship Mary. That would be the last thing that would be on your mind. What you would want to do is exactly what Mary did and launch and praise something like this. My soul magnifies the Lord for what he's doing. Her response would be your response. You see, God loves to show his glory through simple people because his greatness is seen the clearest that way. There is no confusion who accomplished it. No confusion about who should be praised here. God loves to use ordinary people to show His glory through when they will simply trust Him and whatever He calls them to do and look to the Spirit's power to accomplish the work. And so, my friends, I want to close by asking you as we start this next year, the church will be offering. Lots of opportunities to serve and to be equipped to share your faith or or to learn the gospel or, or to work in our nursery or teach Sunday school. Some things behind the scenes, unnoticed by most, some up front and seen. And as you are discerning how God might want you to serve, please consider these last two things. Here's point two ministry is about valuing loving the ordinary while longing for the extraordinary ministry is about loving and embracing the ordinary and still longing for the extraordinary what do you mean well here's what i mean often we go to conferences we listen to amazing speakers we read inspirational books And we think, you know, I want to do something extraordinary for God, something big, something giant, something extreme. And that's great, as long as that doesn't cause you to begin to despise or look down on the ordinary. You see, often Christians long for the extraordinary and they look past the ordinary ways of loving and serving people that truly honor and please the Lord. But it is not one or the other, it's both. And so I want to encourage you this year, pray for revival. That is one of the things we pray for as a church. Pray for a deeper work of the Holy Spirit. Pray for God to do something extraordinary and use you in extraordinary ways. But at the same time, love the ordinary, ordinary works of ministry, sitting with people and having a cup of coffee and tea with them and asking them how they're doing in Christ, visiting the shut in, serving in the nursery, all these simple things bring glory to God. So long for the extraordinary, pray for it. But love and embrace ordinary work of gospel ministry. Which honors Jesus. Here's the third thing, and we'll finish here. Ministry is not about your abilities, but it's about God's grace. It is about faithfully depending on the Spirit of God to enable you to do whatever He sets before you in a manner that shows His graciousness. Often we think, okay, Rusty, I'll. I'll do those things that he sets before me as soon as I get over this this one sin that I'm struggling with. Or as soon as I just just need to grow in my Bible knowledge a little bit more than I can really serve. And I want to say this. There comes a point in your discipleship and your growth where you will not grow anymore. I don't care who You are sitting under whatever your favorite preacher is or whoever you're reading unless you are using your gifts in ministry. There's only so much to be gained by sitting under the best preaching and teaching in the world. There comes a place of spiritual health and discipleship that is only gained by using your gifts in ministry. That's all I got. <laughs> so I just want to lastly encourage you. In God's kingdom, there are no little people. He loves to use ordinary to show extraordinary glory. And he does that as we depend upon the power of the Spirit and trust him along the way. Father, I, I just praise you and I thank you We want to be a people that use our gifts, our abilities, whatever they are, for your glory. Lord, I thank you that there there's no little service in your kingdom. There's no little thing, Father. And yet we want to be a church that longs for the extraordinary, the deep works of the spirit, revival, renewal, awakenings. But God, we want to also be a church that visits the shut-in, brings a meal to those who don't have one, Lord, prays with people when they're hurting, serves in the nursery, serves on Wednesday nights. All those things glorify your name. So, Lord, as a church, let us continue to long for deeper works of the Spirit, asking us to use you, but at the same time, walk in simple faithfulness. Be honored, be glorified through us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.